NFL Week 14 betting market outlook. Week 13 was lukewarm from a live betting performance perspective. Favorites went 10-4-1 ATS, 13-1-1 straight up. And that's just not the type of volatility that's going to be conducive to generating a nice, juicy, profitable PL from live betting. And the outcome was a lot of the teams that we bet on to come back or betting on some volatility, a lot of it just didn't materialize. We were very close in several, which made it very frustrating. And so it wasn't a bad weekend, but definitely wasn't a good weekend basically flash. Yeah, I bet New Orleans plus three and a half pretty early, which made up for what would have been among the most sour finishes of any game. The Saints have put me on a crazy tilt. I had Saints minus two and a half and Andy Dalton 220 passing yards at plus 450. And the passing yards hit and I just wrote it off as, okay, this is done. The Saints are going to win this. And then for Brady to come back and Dennis Allen punting on fourth and one from the 43 the whole way it ended just had me on such tilt but that was a tough way to finish we've almost become so accustomed to live betting success it's a good reminder that you can't always win yeah and in fact I do take away the weekend as generally a W given the fact that favorites performed so well and there wasn't nearly the same volatility that we typically experience on a week-to-week basis. The fact that we didn't get our faces ripped off is actually quite a W. I do want to give you a shout out is one of the things you post every Sunday morning is these moonshot bets, these super juicy SGPs, and you don't brag about them nearly as much as you should. But yet another plus 1,500 SGP caches. You only need like a handful of those to cash and a whole season to yeah. be profitable assuming you're not yeah. like just a raging degenerate elsewhere yeah and you've already cashed like five six of these on the season yeah score. it was plus 1872 it hurts 300 passing yards sanders under 58 and a half the eagles money line i do want to take a point here given the twitter conversation from this week about same game parlays in general if you approach it as a particular market where you can tell one story and i outlined very clearly what that story was the eagles force teams to pass more than anyone else the Eagles are very adaptable in their run-pass ratios. They're going to pass. Jalen Hurts' price is for his season-long average. What happens if they just pass the ball? And the Titans' pass defense isn't particularly good. And I built that story. I said Miles Sanders is not going to run for as many yards as his season average. Jalen Hurts is going to go over his passing yards. And the Eagles are going to have success. And that was the story. And I got it at plus 18 to 1. And that's what same-game parlays are valuable for. That, right? It's not just like this money-sucking, oh, avoid at all costs. No, it has value if you use it for the right purposes. And that's why I don't want to stir up a storm or anything, but it's like those bet stamp, the hammer, this incestual group out there, they're the old guard of sports betting. And they continue to really hold on to these sports betting maxims of antiquity that are no longer necessarily relevant in or maybe not relevant but certainly don't hold the same strength in its argument in today's betting environment 
just around the pregame betting too. Yeah. And about CLV and betting early, like regardless, like you're you're making a bet on top of a bet. You're not even just betting on the team. You're betting on which direction the line's going to move. You're doing it with low conviction. You're doing it with low information. That is not a long-term positive EV bet unless you are a pro better and you are looking at all these lines and everything moving on a tick by tick basis, which most people don't. We don't. No, for sure not. New information comes at us all the time. For a game that is constantly changing, you need to adapt and re respond to new information. And what was true 10 years ago, what was true five years ago, what was true in week three might be different, right? Like you always need to build in new information and look for new angles to attack. Because the only thing that is certain is that what was true in the past won't be true in the future. And I think it's just a certain mindset. That's really what kind of, I think the same game parlay represents is like constantly be looking, if you wanna be, I don't even like the term, like plus EV better. If you wanna find terms like and ways to make money, just like look for new angles. You have to constantly be adapting. If you just get stuck in the same old ways of thought, whether they're old, they're new, it's not gonna work. You have to constantly be changing and constantly be evaluating your process. That's why I think we have such an insistence on process because that's really what uh, kind of plays out over the long run and allows you to be profitable. Exactly. And one of the older kind of legacy bettors out there, Bet Chris, who I'm a big fan of, he was actually posting something similar along these lines. Maybe this topic wasn't necessarily the catalyst for this commentary, but he was generally saying the same thing is you have to adjust every single year. Process needs to change. In fact, again, betting maxims need to evolve, in fact, over yep. time. And you can't just continue to hold on to those things. And there's a certain group of influential bettors out there with platforms that continue to pound the table on this old school sports betting school of thought and basically denigrate anybody out there who disagrees with them, bullies them, humiliates them. You're an idiot if you don't agree with them. It's something I strongly disagree with. I think I've probably tweeted a few times and then get the cathartic release of posting uh, yeah. a tweet and then delete it and be like, that's too mean or I'm being yeah. an asshole or. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear that. But look, I think it's important to always be adapting to new information. Um, All right. So for those watching the stream or watching on YouTube uh, post-mortem, we have our live bets streaming down there in the ticker. I do want to just go over a few of these before we move on to our drive quality scoreboard. Then we'll go into the market consensus rankings and then preview week 14. And some of our mistakes and where we think we are on target. One of the things, obviously, Jaguars is one of our biggest losers. We took Jaguars plus six and a half, plus eight, minus two and a half, plus 250. Those obviously all blew up. We also took the Jags in circa once again getting buried by the jags probably and again they still continue to rank relatively high on drive quality and a bunch of other advanced metrics that say they're clearly a better team well, trending in the wrong direction suggests. but trending in the wrong direction yeah and we do need to take a little bit more of a focus on too when we're looking at yeah. i know we, we do from time but we have been like super consistent and doing right. it but yeah looking at like the rolling last five weeks of performance rolling last three weeks of performance this is something we talked a lot about in the off season but yeah. we just haven't put into practice as yeah. consistent as we should. But the net result is once again, getting buried by the Jags. It's happened probably 10 weeks this season. And I really hope that there's a way 
I, I don't know how I don't know how to prevent something like that happening in the future. Like where you just get tied so much to a particular team, you continue to think there's value. Who knows? Maybe there actually has been value on them, and literally we're just getting ridiculously unlucky. But there are some games that they're not even in. Yeah, this was certainly one of them. The defense couldn't get a stop. And what's a little frustrating for me, I actually noticed when I was compiling some graphs about how teams have performed the last four weeks, I was like, most teams look exactly the same. But there are a few exceptions, and the Jaguars defense was one of them. But I just wrote it off, and I didn't actually do much careful analysis there. And then as it's happening, it's like, how did I not take this into consideration? How did I ignore this one piece? Which was like obviously so important. And that was the story of the game. They didn't get a stop the entire game. Yeah, and that's actually what actually prevented us from potentially leaning even further. And once it got out to the plus 1400s, plus 14 and a half, because I mean, plus 14 and a half looks juicy. You would have lost even more money. But one of the things that was keeping us off that is we're looking through the play by play, and it's like they have not stopped the Lions once. And this was like six or seven drives into the game. And we need to see at least one stop. We need to see at least they're going to provide at least some sort of resistance yeah and yeah it never materialized so i think that was a good observation to at least prevent us from losing even more money yeah. another huge brutal loser oh. that i do like this one i like and i'm totally yeah. fine with losing these jets minus six and a half plus 320 plus six and a half plus 14 and a half plus 100 plus 440 on the money line and i think a smattering of a few others quarter unit bets and things like that deep out of the money that actually did end up cashing in fact so all these didn't even necessarily even lose the six yeah. and a half and the 14 and a half all hit but man it just would have been a waterfall of profits if oh, yeah. the jets would have come back and win that game and we're in position to multiple times just inability to score from within the at the red zone is detrimental and unbelievably frustrating i also it was a garrett wilson touchdown away from cashing another one of those oh, yeah. same game parlays. yeah uh, same no but i'm yeah. happy with that process but the asymmetric risk involved which is like we put ourselves in a position where we lost a little but we would have won a lot more if only one yeah. small thing went right it's not as if it's like a matter of so many things needed to happen in order to make a lot of money but it was the opposite right they needed to <laughs> convert on one of those last two drives at the end. That's what it came down to. Whatever. It's like they were clearly in a position to win. And that's good value. Uh, and the asymmetric risk involved and the output, if they would have converted on those drives, would have been enormous. And that's exactly what you're looking for as a better. Yeah. And that's exactly how you want to evaluate the efficacy of a bet is not just on the outcome, the result. Yeah. The process. Yeah. Or, and I will. Were you in position? Yeah, I will add, there was some pushback in, in the chat, which is good. This is exactly what I want to, yeah. to encourage and force on what do you see in the Jets. Yeah. And you almost have to force me to articulate exactly the case, which as I said, I don't trust the Vikings offense to extend. And the, the Jets offense has been moving the ball fine. And like historically, the Vikings have been brutal with leads. And actually, like, those three factors are actually the types of factors, even now that you articulate it, is... The three factors that I feel like thematically we are always looking for when trying to really push into a live yeah, bet. There's exactly. one, the opponent is vulnerable. Two, the team that we're trying to bet on is moving the ball, but just not scoring points. Yeah. And the two has shown, has demonstrated an ability to do so in the past. So that's right, that's the key. It's like building in almost that prior based on a longer form data and then having your own eyes inform the experience of what's actually happening.
Yeah. Where you almost have a better framework of evaluating a live bet based on what happens before the game and you like see it happening in real time and that's when you can almost have confidence triggering a bet like that. Yeah. Our game trade, live betting series every single Sunday, like Judah mentioned. Again, we had some pushback on some of the trades that we made, which again is great because it forces us to rethink why we're doing something and maybe back off or maybe attack it in a different angle and others again in their contributing ideas. In fact, I wish we would have had, as I was mentioning to you earlier, I wish we would have had an even more successful live betting week because this was one of our biggest audience that we've had over the course of the season. We had over a hundred unique people join. We had 20 plus people in there at a time. We had five, six, seven, eight active chatters in there. So it was super entertaining, super That's, engaging, despite yeah. not, again, getting the best PL. That's right. But there, I will say, and this is a bit off topic, there is a like distinct feeling, especially when I was like mostly playing daily fantasy, where it was, it was like emotionally exhausting after a long Sunday of like ups and downs. But aside from coming to terms and learning with the, the proper emotional balance, it's just like, you leave the stream every Sunday and you're like, man, that was such a fun time. Yeah. I love that. It was awesome. And the sweats are great. The tilts are great. And then at the end of the day, exchanging ideas and watching football together is the best part. And I encourage everyone to join us, to trade with us, to pitch ideas. It's so much fun. Yeah. And we're always going to be looking for new ways to improve the experience, improve the stream. What we did add as a new element this week was our live scoring bot Absolutely. that we had in the chat. That was super cool. And now thinking about how can we get maybe injuries and turnovers in there. We got some of that feedback from some of our viewers. Like we're open ears. And that's why we love people joining too. We're a small platform. We're a small brand. We're at the very beginning stage, our upwards ascent. And hey, you're the OGs here. I know like we already have Arjun, Dan, Darnell, like some of the faces that are jumping in every single week. Appreciate those guys like immensely. Right. That's right. Okay. And then lastly, on the live betting front, just from a recap of the bets that we made and whatnot, the Dolphins was another yeah. big loser. Dolphins minus two and a half plus 260. Dolphins <coughs> minus nine and a half plus 440. So we were leaning into some deep out of the money alt that were going to really be lottery ticket plays. That um, one fell flat on its face. I still love that play. Uh, yeah, which is like given the situation and like it didn't even turn out the result wasn't great and like two is stuck and again even despite there. the bad game i mean they're always they were in position to that's why we we're like on our heels the whole time because yeah. the dolphins were never out of it until the very end. end it's true and it was like look two kept on missing throws like jeff wilson was wide open for an 80 yard touchdown looks yeah. very different brock purdy made an unbelievable throw on third and on 11 third down, seeing yeah. the blitz it was the third quickest pass it was the third quickest time to throw of any pass in the nfl season <laughs> he got rid of it in 1.6 seconds it was a dime like credit yeah. to him like you would assume that mr relevant's not going to be throwing dimes on third and 12. but like, that's the life of a better i think you, you stick to your guns like it's gonna happen even if the results there don't show for it and at the end of the day the beauty of betting is that you put your money where your mouth is and like you'll be dead if you're wrong uh you'll be out of money uh you put your money where your mouth is and if you're successful that speaks for itself yeah and then i do want to close on a successful bet that we had over the course of the day was the chiefs bengals game took some chiefs plus three that ended up pushing but really leaned into the chiefs plus seven you know, so a little bit early to the trade again, but no harm, no foul. Took a little bit of Chiefs money line is actually as well that ended up yeah. losing. I had Bengals money line also. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, also came back on the other side 
was able to hedge some of that. I got uh, Bengals plus three, plus 107 that we threw in there. So really threaded the needle on that one. And in, I was articulating this kind of live, which was like betting the Chiefs money line. I felt like a little bit uneasy on it. And I know because we were saying like, oh, we could look back on this and say, oh, this was like such a slam dunk. It was so easy. And like in the moment, we're like, this does not feel not easy. easy. Even the Chiefs plus three, like didn't feel easy. But when the Chiefs seven showed up, that was like, no, boom, gotta hammer that. And in yeah. fact, that was the biggest single trade net dollar risk um, yeah. that I know I, I, I had out there. Uh, and that that was nice, and that was one of the most successful trades and covered again a lot of those losses. And as we've talked about before, again, we didn't hit fifty percent this week, but we never hit fifty percent in almost any week. And even the best that I articulated, we lost a ton. I mean, only won a few, but those few make up for almost all the rest That's due right. to the plus money elements and yep. other aspects of it. And we can skate by with 35%, 40%. Yeah. And that's why even sometimes when we have really good weekends, it's like at the end of it, I feel like, oh, that probably wasn't that good. And then you wait for the accounting your, and you're yeah. like, oh my God. I'm up, yeah. It's I'm like, up. wow, that was like a plus 10 unit. Yeah. I felt like I yeah, exactly. lost every other bet. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to our week 13 drive quality. Anything stick out here? I posted this a couple days ago. Some of the stuff that stuck out to me was some of the big rallies that we saw. Yeah. And there was only a handful of them as we talked about because there really wasn't that much volatility this week. But one of them that there was, in fact, that we didn't make money on, it's a little bit snoozed on it a bit, was Bears Packers. So Packers time-weighted average margin. All right, was negative five points. Time-weighted average win probability was 33%. And yet, nonetheless, came back, won the game, and winning it in our drive quality scoreboard tells them tells us that they did justifiably win that game. 28 earned points to Bears, 24 earned points. Yeah, no, that's a good one. A couple more that were really interesting. The Cowboys scored a bunch of defensive touchdowns, and they still had 48 earned points. That was very surprising to me. And also, Bengals winning by seven against the Chiefs like they had their way. And then the Raiders-Chargers looks like a blowout, even though the Chargers were driving with three minutes left in position yeah. to possibly tie or win that game. But the fundamentals certainly tell a different story. Yeah. And in fact, this drive quality scoreboard from the Raiders-Chargers, again, Raiders 30, Chargers 14, that actually does reflect how I felt about that game. Oh. I mean, we did lean into some chargers, but it felt, man, like they're constantly in third and long. They're constantly in bad positions. The Raiders is just like shredding them on the ground. And yep. it ended up coming down to a one possession game, but that is that should not be your takeaway from the game. Like the Chargers yep. have some serious issues here. Yep. And so we look at the earned points over realized negative 5.6 points. They actually scored almost a full touchdown more than they actually earned in this game. Yeah. Actually, the only other one that I would call out is Browns-Texans. Then 17 earned points, the Browns 10. Did they have, I don't think they had an offensive touchdown. No, and just another further metric to flesh out how this game played out, which was well, the final score says the Browns blew them out. The Browns covered the seven and a half point spread. But the time weighted average margin was still just three points. The time yeah. weighted average win probability was just 58% for the Browns. Yeah. Remember, the Browns were losing this game for a meaningful amount of the game. And we were hesitant to even try to get in 
and actually bet any Browns. I felt bad about that because I felt like there was going to be a certain point in time for one reason or another that just do the futility of the Texans, that the yeah. Browns, and we saw Watson make some bad mistakes, some bad throws, some hesitation, taking some bad sacks, just typical Watson, even probably compounded. But he did make some good plays. And I think that was enough to open the door to say, hey, we're getting, the Browns went all the way down to essentially like minus one. Yeah. At that risk profile, it was worth rolling the dice on some Browns. And so I think we love to throw some money on the table there. Yeah, that's fair. Washington and the Giants went to OT and tied from our drive quality scoreboard perspective would say that we give the dub to the Giants. Barely. The Giants yeah. With, yeah, barely. 23 earned points to the Washington's 22. Also had a plus one time-weighted average margin as well and time-weighted average win probability of 64%. So the Giants were in better position to really win that game and probably a little bit more positives to take away for the Giants from that matchup. Okay, so let's go into our week 14 consensus market power rankings. Top five, Bills, Cowboys up to Ooh. number two, up one spot. Chiefs down one spot, now to three. Eagles four, Bengals five. And then to round out the top 10, we got Niners, Dolphins, Bucks, Vikings, Ravens, and then the Browns up one spot to number 11 just barely not sneaking in to the top 10 how are you thinking about this i slept with the chiefs at number one i am surprised a bit by the dolphins not being downgraded i assume the market would react to that especially like the offense didn't look particularly good um yeah i guess it's surprising because again when you look at the top 10 and then you look at the 11 through 15 it's yeah who else is gonna replace them like there are just so few good teams yeah. We look at the bottom. Texans, again, a consensus, 32nd worst team. Bears, 31st. Panthers, 30th. Rams, 29th. Colts, 28th. From a drive quality perspective, we got the Bills, Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Bengals, top five. We've been super hot on the Bengals. And now, it, again, this is one of those things where it's, oh, now it seems so obvious. Joe Burrow is a top five quarterback. He got so much better this year. Something that you were calling out explicitly pounding the table in our preseason previews around how Joe Burrow could take a massive leap from year two to year three. And you know, the Bengals really probably bottomed, I would say, probably week two. Because that would seem like it was like absolute lost to, yeah, lost to the Steelers, lost to the Cowboys, lost to the Cooper Rush Cowboys. It, it speaks to how... Short-term volatility exists in football. Yeah, and also, uh, again, and keeping your outlook on the longer term. Exactly. Again, because exactly. we actually made a lot of good money betting on the it's Bengals, you. betting on the Bengals coming down. In fact, I think in the offseason, we could do some reverse engineering and look at attribution analysis around what drove a lot of our best live bets. I guarantee you it's probably Bengals. Yeah. Potentially Chiefs as well. But Bengals, the market sells off on them even in-game. Yeah. And you can get them at amazing prices. Yeah. And we've been doing that a lot this season. I think the Bengals also, it's important to recognize, right? You shouldn't just categorize all change and saying, I'm going to abandon my thesis here or I won't abandon my thesis here. It's like a matter of you came in with a prior, right? That was like developed. And when the Bengals start 0 and 2, was it because the offensive line was really struggling and Joe Burrow was taking sacks as if that wasn't already built in? Right, it's like you have to do like a, a thorough analysis to break down what went wrong and is that actually new information or not. 
The Bengals are a great example because something we specifically highlighted was that the offensive line is going to take weeks because it's so new and they lack the continuity. It's going to take weeks if it's going to come together and it might come together later on in the season. Right? And Joe Burrow's going to take sacks. That's part of the picture. If Joe Burrow like regressed, that's a different story. But if you pay attention to the long-term outlook and realize that like things can happen in the short term, don't lose sight of that long-term vision. It's essential. And like it's been extremely profitable here uh, and in many cases. Again, the Bengals have been dealing with a plethora of injuries as well. Yeah. And nonetheless overcome. And yeah, I think that's a huge, a great call out around the efficacy of the offensive line this season. So coming into the season, all right, the ceiling scenario, the best case outcome is, wow, this offensive line comes in. It's a rejuvenated offensive line, much better players, much higher ceiling, and they perform awesome right off the bat. Yeah. That's the best case scenario. That's not the base case scenario. Yeah. Like a lot of the markets and a lot of handicappers and certainly a lot of fans base case scenario that didn't yeah. materialize so it's whoa something else is wrong here maybe it's joe burrow or maybe the offensive line is just not ever going to come together not going to have the right chemistry players are not madden grades where you sign a 92 and they all of a sudden start playing like a 92 in week one it's a lot more yeah. complex than that and now also though too i'm getting a little bit cautious on Bengals now because now they're red hot sky high I and also, the market's fully appreciated it. i want to call out zach taylor's done a terrific job this year I think he's not think done a bad job. I'll say that. No, he's done. I think he's done a terrific job. Okay. Uh, and really, what sold it for me is that third and eleven was the final straw of just like aggressive play call. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's like this team is. I don't know if I necessarily want to attribute hiding. to Zach Taylor though. They were. Maybe, I, whatever, I don't care. I don't care if it's Zach Taylor. I care if the offensive coordinator. I care about what's going to happen now. And whatever it is, I don't feel hampered by the coaching decisions of the Bengals like That's I would true. in any other. That's true. That that that's fair. Because yeah, regardless of what the source of that decision-making was, yeah. this is going to be the outcomes. If this is how yeah. decisions are going to be made within the organization, then that's a plus. Exactly. I don't like, I don't care who's actually the operative. I care about what's going to happen. Trying to think about, is the market getting a little bit too hot on the Bengals now? Because basically everyone's riding them now is something that I saw Timo post was future strength of schedule for passing offenses over the final five weeks of the season. And we see Bengals, some of the more prolific offenses that we've seen, Dolphins, Bengals, Bills, Seahawks, Raiders, all having much more difficult strengths of schedule for the passing game over the next couple of weeks. So that could also be a headwind at minimum for the Bengals. So elsewhere, some of the biggest changes this week, again, not a lot of changes, not a lot of movement. It's weak. It's week 14, right? Like, yeah. that's the thing. It's like the betting season works in three seasons where it's first three to four weeks are like a matter of like really testing your off-season priors. And like, I can get really crazy next year in doing that. And in the middle weeks of the season, like five to week 12, it's like you have a good sense of who the teams are, how good they are, but it's still like a push and pull where it's like, oh, was this because of matchup? Like, it's a small sample size. We don't really know who's good. And, like, by week 13, week 14, like, we know who's good. We know who the good pass defenses are. We know who the good run defenses are. We know who the good run games are. That's why you're not going to have as many changes. And we saw that last week with fewer week-to-week changes. And now it's just a matter of executing. And I think the focus should be less on fundamentals, almost because there's less edge and more, okay, what particular matchup, what particular angle within how these two teams play. And that's the biggest source of value. And also, like we mentioned earlier, was trying to look at you know, recent performance. So how yeah, these teams have evolved. Just, but again, you want to balance the two. 
And this is like when you think about priors as well, like you have to also think about evaluating team. And we've mentioned this in different ways, shapes or form. But especially when I think about in my day job, working in investments and how we structure our trades and the positionings that we have in our broader portfolio, all right, it's angled from strategic and tactical. All right, so you have your strategic views, all right, your longer term macro views that you think will play out over time. And there's going to be some noise here and there and in between, but you think there's one general direction of a particular asset. And then there's tactical views. All right, so views that I think this is going to work for the next two weeks, for the next two days, maybe the next month. And then after that, like my visibility ends and I just yeah. know I want to take advantage of it for this short period of time yeah. relative to this longer term view that I have yeah. and balancing those two things. But I think that's something, it's a nuance that I feel like most handicappers out there, certainly most sports betting commentators out there miss when they're talking about betting priors and how that's playing into power rank. That's a good call out. It's actually something yeah, I'm gonna focus in on the note that will come out tomorrow. That balance of those two things. So some of the biggest changers on the week 14 basis, the Lions changed the most, upgraded three spots to a market rank of 21st. Look at drive quality. Yeah, I, I keep on noticing this by the way. Yeah, and the, oh, they've been moving up fast, fast, yeah. fast up the power rankings. And I've seen a lot of tweets and whatnot. And I responded to some of them this week around, how are the Lions favorites over the Vikings? Oh, when we look at our drive quality power rankings, the Lions are ninth, the Vikings are 10th. Yep. The Lions are at home. So, I mean, it's like, that, this seems like actually kind of, yeah, okay. Exactly so, the press. Yeah, it sounds yeah. about right. And I guess it's such a huge off-market view as well, because drive quality ninth, again, broader market power rank for the Lions is 21st. And in fact, no one's really even close to us. Football Outsiders has the Lions ranked 13th. That's a market high yeah. outside, again. Of and I quality. do, yeah. Another thing I want to test this off season to see which, of, which model or brand most closely resembles drive quality. Uh, and I think based on just from what football I've seen outsiders. doing these kind of recaps is football outsiders. Yeah, that's been my anecdotal experience as yeah. well. Although yeah. like they're, they're clearly outliers, like the Vikings. <laughs> football yeah. outsiders 20, draft quality 10. Yeah. Yeah, and I would give them the benefit of the doubt for it as well as they were very early to riding the Seahawks success, yep. which again, we were have been resistant <laughs> to riding early on at least. But again, yeah. that wasn't something that we held on to very long was yeah. we were very quick that's, to to adapt. That's what I was going to say. I was going to use that as I thought I was going on for too long about the Bengals. But it's not just, oh, you're saying that because you have the benefit of the doubt and hindsight and like you just stick to your priors. No, it changed really quickly on the Seahawks. And like I went out and said my favorite bet of the season and it's still my favorite bet of the season was Seahawks Bucks. Yeah. Which is funny the way it turned out. Yeah. Also, that's always like sometimes, and again, this is just anecdotal as well, but sometimes when I feel like just like crazy confidence on something, like anytime I would ever frame something as this is my, like my favorite bet of the entire year, especially pregame, especially yeah. pregame yeah. is I might be missing something yep. because like usually I don't have that sort of conviction. Yeah. yeah. I've been fading the bucks. Successfully, yes. That's such success that I think the thesis just happened to not materialize that one week. And that's also a good reminder of didn't break the bank. I didn't bet, you know, that much more than I usually do. Bet sizing. Anything also. like that's a situation where you have two options. You can either scale 
your bet. You can say, I usually bet $100, but now I'm going to bet 1000 Or you could, like, you know, move the lines and get crazy uh, yes. on the alternate side. And so I'm still going to bet the same amount, but I'm confident this outcome will happen, so I'll move the price. Exactly. That's, that's a totally different way of approaching it. Yeah. No, again, all you're doing is, and that's actually a good way to put it, is if you actually have a lot of conviction, doesn't mean, yeah, you want to then increase your risk. All yeah. you likely do is you actually narrow the outcome of yeah. what you're looking for. So yeah, you have yeah. such high conviction in a very particular outcome yeah. that in fact, you'll scale most of your bets into that outcome specifically. Exactly. exactly. Like Jalen Hurts, perfect example, right? If I was right, the more right I was, the more money I made. Yeah. You're minimizing risk. When you have high conviction, you want to maintain that same upside and minimize risk. It's like investing 101. That's, that's why the, in order for you to capitalize on a view on a particular forecasted game script materializing, yeah, you could bet the spread and then you win a bet just like you win any other bet. But then you've left a ton of money on the oh, table, yeah. especially if the game realizes exactly as forecast. Dude, like there's only that's only going to happen so many times in the season. And you need to make sure you squeeze as much juice much out, of as out of that as possible. And you don't leave any money on the table. I was mad that I ended up taking Ravens live plus five and a half, which ended up doing nothing for me. Like in the last like drive or two, you could already yeah, see. Like I the five and a half wasn't going to do five. anything. I should have just taken the money line. It was like plus 140. I yeah. saw a little bit of safety in the plus five and a half. But again, it was a relatively low conviction. But that's the type of thing that you want to position yourself. Like, if you're going to be right, Make sure you're getting as much money out of it as possible, especially the bets that we take. Again, the win percentage is low. And so you need to make sure that the return is high yep. for the ones that you do win. Yep. Last thing on the market power rankings, biggest divers of the week. Titans downgraded three spots, Chargers downgraded three spots, now to a market rank of 22nd, really in free fall. Jets down a little bit, down two spots to 17th. Jaguars also in free fall down another two spots now down to a market rank of 24th drive quality still hanging on 13th but it's still a market yeah. high on the Jags right and again draft quality has been carrying the warning signs of a collapsing defense yeah um, one of the things I did want to call out was drive quality has been super sour on the Bucks all season all and continue season. to be so we got yep. the Bucks ranked 18th by far a market low. The next closest brand to us is PFF and Football Outsiders at 11th. So material difference there. Yep. And this is one of the things that's kept yeah. us from not only not losing any money on the Bucks, but taking advantage and actually been fading the Bucks a lot this season. It's Alrighty, so let's move on to NFL Week 14. Thursday night game, Raiders-Rams. Raiders minus six and a half. On the road, 43 and a half, the total. It's, it's still unclear who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Rams. I think I know Wofford yeah. is banged up. He's questionable. Obviously, they signed Baker Mayfield. Can imagine you'd see him. He's not playing. He's not playing. Yeah. And then Bryce Perkins. I think there's a big difference between Perkins and Wofford, especially, obviously, their style of play. I've, yeah. I If it's Perkins, I'm just laying off. I have no opinion. But if it is Wofford, yeah. I think... There's some value on the Rams at six. No. no. Offered's terrible. You didn't like what you saw versus... He was dreadful. 
No, but I'm saying from the team in general versus oh, the plucky. Seahawks they're on the very plucky. I'll give them credit for that. I don't know. I had a feeling in my bad knee that they were going to show up for that game. I have no good reason why, which is like why I didn't really lean into to the Seahawks. But again, this is the team so devoid of talent. I can't bet on them. I just so, but it doesn't mean I guess that you're gonna that you're interested in the Raiders. No, I think I'm gonna play another one of these same game parlays only because the matchup against the. Rams is really perfect, I think. Considering that Josh Jacobs has had enormous run, he's hurt, it's a short week. The Rams have a really good run defense, not a particularly good pass defense. I, I'll i take a little bit of like Derek Carr to hit his passing props and the Raiders to cover two and a half. I can probably get that up like plus 130, 140, something like that. Yeah, I really like trying to find for these standalone games, some like juicy bets to make the game yeah. fun, especially when it's not even really a good matchup. But we know yeah. a lot of us just love football and we'll watch. If there's a game, we'll watch it. So, yeah, I also <laughs> love So I there love will be bets. Yeah. And so we might as well try to help make at least some yeah. fun ones. Yeah, I'll, and hopefully I'll some profitable ones. Yeah, I'll be playing that. The car, car to hit his passing prop, Raiders to get most of the way to cover just because of the matchup. But it's betting on the Rams, not sexy right now. <laughs> definitely not sexy and no one else is doing it in fact according to again there's some questions around betting splits i looked at betting splits across like various brands today and it's just like a specific example i looked at pffs i looked at pre-games i looked at action networks i looked at DraftKings. i looked at some kind of private pick em pools that i looked at to see how people were allocating their picks and pretty much all the percentages are different but the direction of them is typically the same. So that's why like the percentages aren't really that like important and don't necessarily give you a lot of insight there. But for those who like completely dismiss betting splits as if the direction of it is useless, I totally disagree with that. I find a lot of insight in it. And so basically what we can take from this is the people making bets on this game are pretty decisively on the Raiders side. 68% of bets, 79% of the handle on DraftKings on the Raiders side, and kind of looking at a host of others, again, the clearly leaning on the Raiders side as well, for exactly some of the reasons that you probably talked about, which is the Rams are just so unpalatable. They're one of those teams that if you're gonna bet the Rams, you really have to hold your nose yeah. on this. Which and doesn't it's make not it gonna it. be fun. Yeah, I'm not betting this spread. I'm taking a totally different approach, so. Makes sense. Jets at Buffalo. Jets minus nine and a half, total 44. I really like the Jets here. I don't know if I'm missing something. On first blush, this is this seems three points too high. I agree. Especially, I like to talk about points existing in two spheres. One is like a reflection of a fundamental value, and two is like points in an actual game. Like the Jets defense is still good. They're healthy. And the Bills offense has not been the same since Josh Allen's injury. And they're still lacking in secondary weapons. The Jets are built to stop the Bills. They can get pressure and they can play good coverage. Mike White's competent enough. The Bills defense, especially now with Von Miller after the season with the torn ACL, it's very beatable. We've seen that the past couple of weeks. I think it's spread is way too high. According to PFF, again, 82% of the cash on the Bills. 61% of the tickets on the Jets. What are you looking at from a live perspective? I, it's going to be Josh Allen. Right? Does the Bills offense have the rhythm, the downfield passing game going? Like when Josh Allen threw deep against the Jets the first time, it was a disaster. And I mean, the Jets have typically gotten off to, to slow starts. 
So I definitely be looking if the Bills score early to hop on. That's when you can get the 10 and a half. Like lines for big favorites love to move in their direction early. This line can go to 13 and a half if the Bills get the ball first and score a touchdown. Yeah. That's a buy. If the Jets get the ball first and go not even just three and out, but just don't score, it's going to go to 10 and a half. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think this is going to be critical. What I'm going to be looking for is are the Jets playing competently? Because the types of mistakes, bad play calling in the red zone that they did versus the Vikings, they can get away with it and still potentially be competitive. You're not going to be able to like dick around the Bills no, in that way. You'll get buried. But I also I have faith in the offensive staff. Okay, Browns minus plus six on the road at the Red Hot Cincinnati Bengals over under 47 and a half. Deshaun Watson looked really bad. But that should be film was priced in. They're like, we knew he'd be rusty. Yeah. That's another reason why I don't want to touch the game. If yeah, and three, I think he's going to be rusty again multiple games. Yeah, so then I would, then you should probably be betting the Bengals. I'm cautious on the Bengals as well, just because I know the market is sky high in them right now. And I know the last time the Bengals, again, I don't want to like tie too much into the last time they played and use that as the lone signal, but the Bengals did not look good versus the Browns when they played earlier this season. That was a terrible game. It was probably one of the worst games that they played all season. I just, I think Deshaun Watson's way too much of a question mark. It wouldn't be totally shocking to see him play well. It also wouldn't be shocking to see, like, the disastrous performance that was last week. And again, if we see that the same sort of lack of rhythm, lack of timing, which is what was playing him, it's like holding the ball too long in the pocket, then I think I would definitely jump on the Bengals live. Again, Bengals are a team that starts slow. Yeah, I'm just looking at, on the screen here, just how bad Watson played first the Texans negative five EPA 0.2 EPA per play again my forecast would be that Watson's gonna stink again and be just good enough to put together a good throw here or there to keep the optimists blood pumping but beyond that it's gonna be it's gonna be bad Texans 17 at Dallas I've seen it breach the 17 down to 16 and a half on DraftKings right now, 45 and a half, probably. The only thing I'll add just as this contextual notes is that as we saw on Sunday Night Football, Dallas does pour it on or at least stays aggressive late in games. Um, so even though they are a run first team at this point, they pass plenty late in games, they're aggressive. So I wouldn't be too worried off the 17, but I don't really want to be betting games with the 17 no. point spread. If you want to bet the Cowboys, then you bet the Cowboys alt line minus 23 and a half. Yeah. And, like even and get a nice like plus 250 or something. I think if the Cowboys are going to blow them out, they're going to blow them out. Yeah. I, I'd prefer to build particular game stories here. This just seems like a good standing game parlay type game. Yeah. Tony Pollard breaks off a couple of big runs or they like ride Zeke in this spot. It's just, I'd rather approach it that way. Minnesota. Plus two and a half on the road versus Detroit. Again, this one, one of those games jittering some of the most buzz of any game this week. Everyone, again, scratching their heads. Why is Detroit minus two and a half? Drive quality has Detroit ninth, Minnesota 10th. Yeah. Makes perfect sense to us. Yep. I probably like the Lions here. Yeah, I think it's again probably a game that you probably live bet and probably get the Lions at even a better oh, price. Oh, it's definitely a live bet game, also, just like explosive offenses, bad defenses. The Lions are healthy now. 
Amon Ross St. Brown is just a machine, especially on late downs and in key spots. I posted a chart about it on, I think last week, just about like how his, his production on third downs. But it's like third and nine, Amon Ross St. Brown, 15 yards every time. But, all right, and he was hurt, and that's really when their offense struggled. Jameson Williams is back, DJ Chark is back. DJ Chark adds a vertical threat that they did not have. Uh, earlier in the season and DeAndre Swift has like some insane splits on versus off the injury report and he was finally off the injury report last week with that said I think the Vikings have almost from a market standpoint have almost it's gotten out of control oh they're 10 and 2 but they're frauds type thing yeah the Vikings are exactly who we thought they were one of the most stable teams we've been talking about this the whole season I've been saying it for weeks and that's good enough in the in this NFC environment to sneak out with a 10 and 2 they're still stable they're still good and like we know it's the same team that in spots in the past four years like we've seen this script so many times I just think I have a pretty good sense of what the Vikings are how that like manifests week to week is a totally different question People are bidding on the Vikings despite the line moving in the opposite direction. 72% of the bets, 60% of the handle on the Vikings according to DraftKings betting splits. But I looked at, again, the betting splits across various vendors and platforms all have most of the bets coming in on the Vikings. Ravens, plus two and a half at Pittsburgh. 37 is the total. Very low. Obviously, no Lamar Jackson. We don't like Pittsburgh, but we've been warming up. Yep. I've been super cold on a team like the Ravens. Squeaked it out versus the Broncos on one of the final plays of the game. Obviously, much tougher defense. This is going to be another good live bet game. The Steelers' offense isn't great. Their defense is not as dreadful as they were without TJ Watt. It's just, it's ugly the Steelers play well like that's their forte is to win these like ugly games and especially at home the lines plummeted as it's become clear that Lamar Jackson was definitely not gonna play in this game and they already had a very hampered offense as Many kind of anti-superlatives that you want to bring to the table on the Steelers offense. They've certainly been getting better. And they do just enough. And Kenny Pickett is going to continue to mature, just like you would expect from any rookie quarterback on a game-by-game basis. You can't have very static perspective in, in this offense. I would potentially be looking into... It's, this is probably not like a super sharp observation. It's probably actually probably, probably pretty square. But George Pickens shooting his mouth off this week. I was observing it and documenting it and talking about it pretty much all Sunday when we were looking at props. That George Pickens wasn't getting any targets and wasn't getting any catches even. Yeah. And he has been very vocal this week. That happened and he doesn't want that to happen anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so potentially real. look at are they going to potentially try to force the ball to him in some way the squeaky wheel chiefs minus eight and a half at denver always struggle versus denver on a season by season basis 44 and a half the total very high total for a broncos game they're missing Cortland Sutton. They're so bad right now. I just, I don't see, I think the Chiefs are going to get their 27 points or whatever. And I don't see the Broncos keeping up with more than 14 or so. Well, yeah, I like the Chiefs here. I don't see what, like, what angle is there to buy the Broncos. Other will throw your hands up and say they can't possibly be this bad. <laughs> like our draft quality has them as the worst offense in the league. 82% of the bets, 79% of the handle, according to DraftKings, on the Chiefs. No one wants to touch the Broncos.
just lean into a potential alt. If the Broncos are really going to just be putrid, right, the offense is not going to do anything. And if there's going to be any team that breaks the back of the Broncos' defense in the sense of true, throw your hands up, like F this, it could be the Chiefs this week. And so leaning in to a Chiefs minus 16 and a half. Mahomes passing props. I mean, it might be at such a premium, but I'm going to guess if it's not in the half, it's projecting a downgrade because of the Broncos defense. And I want to sell that angle. Yeah. Although again, like I think the total at 44, again, especially for a Broncos game, that is pricing in a lot of a Chiefs offensive premium scoring there. But again, that's also pricing in then essentially what? That the Broncos are still going to put on the board two touchdowns. Leaning into Chiefs alts, Chiefs yeah, props is the way to play this one. My Panthers at Seattle, minus four and a half, 44 and a half. Sam Darnold, off the bye, rejuvenated, refreshed, healthy as ever. There's a vulnerable offense, again, in a difficult environment. This is another one that I would probably like to lean in the alt. I'd rather take Panthers minus two and a half or... Seahawks minus nine and a half. This is also kind of a, a game where the wheels can come off for Darnold. Think I so? Said, yeah, it's like in the in that environment. It's a bad environment, and, but it's not necessarily like an opportunistic. So the Seahawks, the defense is going to be good if they can generate some pressure. If they can't, they're very beatable. But Gino's also still playing at a pretty good. He slowed down a bit, but he's been terrific. He was awesome on Sunday. Like it's well documented at this point that it's like relatively sustainable. Yeah, you can't still be arguing it against yeah, it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. But there's still this hesitancy to buy the Seahawks, and I think they, they clearly have the better offense. Clearly have the better offense, sure. But yeah, I also wonder if Kenneth Walker is not playing, how much that tilts them to the pass. This is an interesting conversation of how the run-pass ratios look. There are a lot sure. of question marks in this game, and I think fewer answers that pre-game give me an angle to bet it one way or another. Yeah, Pete Carroll surprised me this year. I, I know there's been a lot of positive things said about their OC this year as well, being responsible for some of the rejuvenation in the offensive game and not being as stubborn about forcing the run game like a Pete Carroll offense typically has done. And that was one of the reasons why I've been off and wrong early on the Seahawks was because, again, I thought that there was going to be more of that Carroll-led stubbornness in forcing the run no matter the situation, no matter the content. Yeah. But in any case, the Panthers' defense is awesome. 81% of the bets on the Seahawks. Everyone loves the Seahawks. Super easy case to be made. At 44, this actually could be quite high. In fact, yeah. especially if you think that Sam Darnold could potentially struggle, even versus a bad defense, unless yeah. he's giving up fungal, fumble sixes and pick sixes, under 44, potentially alt under playing this game, is something I think could be potentially effective. Yeah. No, I like that. Bucks at San Francisco, minus three and a half Niners over under 37. Led by, again, Brock Purdy. Are we going to get similar performance or is that kind of a one-off came in? Divas couldn't adjust. As much as I hate the Bucks, I don't think the Niners are a, a, a buy here. And also, there's almost like this assumption that the Niners are going to slow down the Bucks, but I like because of how bad the Bucks, they, they can't get much worse on offense. <laughs> I don't think the matchup's actually so much of a downgrade 
relative to what their offense has been performing like, and the market's almost pricing that. Brock Purdy introduces a lot of question marks. We've seen a rookie come in spot, like in one spot where the defense didn't prepare for him. I'm not sure he'll be able to have the same success. And like, it's three and a half. It's not a pick em line here. The Niners are clearly the better team, but I, I it's not enough to trigger a bet here. Out mean on the Buck side in this one, especially over the field goal. I think Purdy coming in versus a vulnerable defense like the Dolphins, unprepared for him, have no real meaningful tape on him, and now the Bucks have a full game, essentially, tape on him. And it's a much better defense that I think can create some... Because basically that whole game, we were waiting for Purdy to make a game-changing mistake, which he didn't do. So props to him. But I think he's going to look a lot different versus the Bucks defense. Another way to attack this game, especially too, would be looking at all unders. I love all unders. I understand it's already rock bottom, 37. Yeah. Those have been the spots to capture the 26s. He's been doing that all year. You discount 10 points off that total. You're out to like plus 400. As long as you're tactical and strategic and you're doing it live, especially you've already seen some of this game script start to materialize. That gives you a lot of edge yeah. yep. to really be able to take advantage of some of those. And so that's something I would definitely be looking at this, especially if you get a very generous early score that kind of pushes this up above some of those kind of traditional key numbers, 40, 41, 42. Ah, oh, that would be a chef's kiss, slam dunk, all unders like 35 and a half. Dolphins minus three at Chargers, at Arjun's Chargers. Arjun's been dragging the Chargers through the mud this week. Rightfully, yep. is this like buy the bounce back from the Dolphins here and continue to sell spiraling Chargers? I just, I'd like to think that the two a game was an aberration and I recognize my language there is very revealing. I'd like to think, yeah. which says it's an angle i'll have to bet live but i can't really pull the trigger beforehand who was arguably playing the best defense in the nfl or maybe the uh, top three defense for yeah. sure and yeah. then fell on the road and yes and he missed players but those players were open yeah the, he was and he they were bad. still competitive the Chargers are weird in these spots. It's like they show up on Sunday Night Football and play a great game against the Chiefs. But I don't know if the good Chargers or bad Chargers are going to show up. I do know their defense is dreadful. Passing, running, they can't get a pass rush. Like, I think the, the Dolphins will be able to score. But do we have the duo from the first? It's just, again, I'd like to think it's an aberration. The fact that I'd like to think it is not enough for to trigger a bit. Yeah. And remember, we looked at our market consensus power rings. In fact, we were surprised that the Dolphins weren't downgraded at all. And that does make a lot of sense why the Dolphins would be minus three on the road versus Justin Herbert led. Yeah. And cross country on the other side. This is the Sunday night game too. So does mitigate some of that element as well. Lastly, Monday night football, Patriots essentially pick them at the Cardinals. Drive quality hates the Cardinals, has hated them all season. Now they're finally have the full roster back, right? They've got Hollywood back. They've got DeAndre Hopkins back. And what's been the kryptonite of the Patriots defense? Scrambling quarterbacks. If Kyler's running. Good point. I just, I was bullish on the Cardinals long-term and this is exactly the spot I was bullish on them, which I was waiting for it to happen. 
I think this is a spot where it might come to fruition. Uh, I like it. Huge coaching mismatch, but the market definitely leaning into the Patriots, according to PFF, 75% of the tickets, 70% of the cash, leaning in to the Patriots. And the Patriots, yeah, have been wishy-washy. Sometimes they look good. Sometimes they look great. Sometimes they look terrible. And as you pointed out, specifically against quarterbacks that are inclined to run i definitely like that angle again i think the coaching mismatch still makes me a little bit hesitant yeah although i think that's schematic more so than decision making which is like perfectly covered plays against this is the classic stat like they the cardinals for 2019 2020 and 2021 all worse than the league Kyler Murray is constantly coming for coverage i think that's a symptom of what people point out as Cliff Kingsbury being a, a poor coordinator i don't think he's been so terrible in the decision making and Bill Belichick actually hasn't been particularly good how that how the game plans work obviously is up for question and that's where i think the coaching difference would mostly manifest but that's why we bet live yep and this is going to be a difficult week going to be a shorter slate than typical with six teams on by falcons bears packers colts saints and washington all on by so definitely this is one of those weeks that we've talked about like a compressed schedule all right good stuff thanks everyone for listening please come join us on our live betting game trade stream on sunday come with ideas we're gonna plan jump on at noon eastern and if we don't it's it's my fault since judah wakes up at like 7 a.m that's right the adrenaline of a a fall sunday morning there's nothing like it yes all right thanks everyone that's closing bell